Welcome back to another episode of Our Trumpet Life, a podcast focused on teaching, learning, and sharing all things trumpet in a positive atmosphere. I'm Ben McCarthy, one of the co-hosts of Our Trumpet Life, and I'm a teacher and a performer in the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area of Virginia. And I'm Derek Watson, a freelancer in the Denver, northern Colorado area. And I'm Chris Navarrete, currently the director of bands over at the California State University of Chico. And I'm David Moore. I'm currently a freelance trumpet player in the northern Colorado, Denver area, soon to be in the central Illinois area. I'm the incoming professor of trumpet at Millican University. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the stigma of ego in the trumpet world and talk about the positive and negative connotations that it may have. Let's get to it. No, my whatever I'm going to say is going to be better than what any of you guys have to say. No, I'm actually better than you. I don't know about that, David. I it's, can play higher no, than you. It, uh, I can play a lot faster work, than like, you. No, no. But I, I'm the most humble. I, I got to say, guys, it's really the what, strong no, ben, that I'm will survive in this I took world a lesson of music. The principle what of... I say is truth because I'm a trumpet player. Well, really, I mean, everyone knows that's the main stereotype of trumpet players. Ego-driven. Why do you think that has become... A stereotype. And that's something I've been wondering my whole trumpet life. But I think it's because, well, at least something that I've always been told is it aligns with the physicality of the horn and the effort that we put forth. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think it gets wrapped up. I mean, obviously, it's, it's with the ego, but I think it gets wrapped up maybe in confidence issues. You know, we see this from a lot of higher pitched melodic instruments, also singers, you know, you, you see like sopranos in in the choir or like the soprano singers in the opera, they are exposed. So if they make a mistake, it's, it's more easily recognizable that, that, that an error has occurred. Right. So I think it just has to do with being an exposed melodic instrument. And for us, we feel like we have more on the line and we get it wrapped up in our own self-worth. I think that's a great point. And as soon as you started saying that, it started unraveling a bunch of thoughts in my head that you're absolutely right. It's a melody instrument. It's a high melody instrument. And a lot of the times we get those heroic, fanfarish, noble, bold solos and or just melody lines in general. And because it's such a physical instrument, as Chris had said a little bit earlier, it's such a physical instrument that you have to try. Right, you really have to invest in it, and then if you're playing one of these things, one of those types of melodies or lines, passages, and then <laughs> something goes wrong, as happens on this annoying horn sometimes, everyone knows, and you're gonna feel like you're being judged. You're being judged on your absolute best effort, which is never something we like being judged on, because we're dealing with that day in day out every time we play with an ensemble we're dealing with there's just a lot of insecurity that builds up and is propagated in that process yeah i think going back to just this question about like where did this originate you know how did this stereotype originate and i think you know all of you guys had really good input to this and i and i was kind of thinking along the lines of what derek was talking about and david was talking about with the the exposed nature of the horn and how you know we're generally given the the fanfare, heroic, noble type entrances. And that just led me to thinking, 
well, you know, the trumpet really was used in that fashion, you know, and has been used in that fashion for hundreds of years where, you know, we're out in front introducing nobility, you know, whether that's in a secular or religious event. It's just like the trumpets almost always or has always been in the forefront introducing nobles. And so I think in turn, it's easy to see how maybe we've developed that false sense of we're the important ones. That blows my mind. That's great. As we go through this, I wonder if we're going to find that one of the root causes for these stigmas, which again, you know, not, not everyone acts this way, but for the few people that maybe do live this stigma that we're talking about is one of the underlying issues of defensiveness that's wrapped up in in ego or self-doubt or you know i i i i think i imagine my hypothesis is as we go through this you can find defensiveness at as one of the root causes of this for those who are listening just so we can make it clear we certainly well i know i i won't speak for you guys but i know that ego is something i have struggled with at certain points and or as much as i want to take the stoic route when I'm in a rehearsal or when I'm thinking about being in a section. It doesn't always work out that way and, and other uh, lesser instincts will take over sometimes and that's something that I'm certainly trying to fight through and I think we can all, we have all had those moments and this is something, ego is not something you just... Ha- you have a lot of or you don't have a lot of at least i'm talking the negative aspects of this this is something that is an ongoing struggle that we all have to deal with and a lot of it has to do with the your priorities in making music your priorities in playing trumpet and playing with other people if we can focus on more outward intentions rather than internal we likely can avoid some of the negative aspects of ego but Again, I, the main point of this is that we all struggle with this all the time. It's not a battle that you just, you win and you're done. You mastered the ego. Congratulations. Here's your medal. It's not like that. It's something that you will always be battling. Do you all think that ego can be used in a, in a way to help? If so, when is it a good way to help as opposed to bring you down? Or steer you off the path. I personally think that competition, if done correctly, can be a, a very positive motivator. I th- I think that, in a way, it, it it can also be very negative. And actually, one of the things I struggled with when I went to college, or when I when I first went to college, is in junior high and high school. My, one of my big motivations for playing trumpet was the competition. It was all the honor bands. It was all the music festivals. It was all the comp- all the music competitions. It was always about winning first chair. It was always about winning that medal, winning that trophy. And when I got to college and there were no more honor bands, there were no, no well, I mean, aside from outside of like NTC or some of the stuff with ITG, there really is no, uh, I want to mention Carmen Crusoe as well, but there really is no, competition aside from getting a job or getting a gig it i really had to shift the way the the way i thought about music and the way 
I rationalized why I was doing this. And when I figured that out, it became very positive. But I think the initial way I thought about it was actually very negative. And you definitely get the ego built up in that. Yeah, I I think that, you know, in all these ways, ego can be, you know, both positive and negative. And, and David, what you're talking about using competition as an example is a good display of of that topic. And to me, the negative aspects are aspects that either are detrimental to other people around you or detrimental to your own self in progress. And that's kind of how I would evaluate ego and whether or not it would be positive or negative. I think that one of the big distinguishing factors for me, and you said it perfectly in the exact words that you used, which were there's positive ways that you can use ego. And the key word being that that you can you can use, not your ego use, you use. If you are in control, then it can be a very helpful tool. Just with, for motivation, discipline, to get in the practice room. But if your ego is in control, then it's going to be, we have to play so that we can beat this person. This person is better at this, so I have to do this. But at a certain point, it, that's it's unsustainable. And so I think the, the way you worded that is, is perfect. You have to be in control. You have to use ego and, and use it yourself in a controlled fashion for it to be positive, for it to be a tool. Otherwise, it's going to use you, and then you're the tool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, think, I think it's important to think about who you're competing with. I think if you're constant, just like what Derek was saying, if your whole motivation is to compete against the people around you, then that's always going to be from a negative point. You know, if, if the goal is to get a job, the goal is to work with other people, the goal is to make money doing this, then the person you're competing with needs to be yourself. And, it, you know, day by day, am I improving day by day? And, you know, we've met people that their drive is still based on, you know, I got to be better than this person. And they're not the happiest people, right? Like they, they get really angry. They kind of go ballistic if a gig doesn't go the way they do. And guess what? Even as great as, as they sometimes may be, oftentimes they aren't as hired as often as other people that have their expectations in check. Well, not to mention, tr go ahead and try to be the best at everything on trumpet. How is this not, it's just not a feasible goal, realistically. If you're saying, oh, you're going to be a better improviser and overall trumpet player than Wynton Marsalis. Oh, but you can also play higher than Roger Ingram. <laughs> Those things, you the chances of that are just so slim. It's not a feasible goal. It's not a realistic goal. Not to mention that when it comes down to it, your motivations for playing might not... You might be having to do things you don't even like to do. You know? So, and then when you're going to lose that enjoyment factor, and that's not going to help anyway. You know, with your colleagues in the university, high school, whatever... Competition naturally is going to happen. Instead of thinking of it as competition, though, think of it as a way to learn from your colleagues. All right. Take their successes and say, like, wow, that I want to be able to do it that good, too. 
and then work towards it. Maybe ask them you know, how they went about doing it. And, and not in a, in a mean spirited way, but in a way that is, you know, constructive and for both people, you know, and it's another way of building relationships because yes, just like you guys said, it's about working with people and you, you, the best relationships that you have or in your field usually are developed in the college setting. Uh, and those networking, uh, connections that you, you make will, I mean, look at us. We're all still talking to each other because we care about how everybody else did things. And so we respect that. That brings up a lot of good points. And I think that it, we could pivot a little bit to some strategies for people who feel that they may suffer from a bad ego problem. And they want to change that for the people that want to fix this issue or just to get better at being less ego driven. What are some strategies that you would use? Let's again, because we mentioned this earlier, because this is an ongoing fight for everybody. What are some strategies that you use to get yourself out of that mindset? Yeah, I think it's important to set aside some time and whether this is in conjunction with your practice or another time throughout the week, but just set aside some time for self-reflection. And that reflection is on your character. It's on how you interact with other people. And that can be very enlightening. I think that often we don't do enough of that in our lives. <laughs> you know, this stigma of ego, I knew very early on. And I can remember trying to fight that being like, you know, okay, well, I'm going to be the humble guy. I'm, I'm going to could be the guy that isn't like that. And I try my best to do that, try my best to do that. And then you find, you're, you know, weeks later that you've taken pride in a certain aspect of playing. And, you know, whether, you know, for me, I know for the longest time, piccolo trumpet was that, you know, I, I struggled with range on the larger horns. I struggled with technique on the larger horns, but the piccolo trumpet started off uh, I would I shouldn't say started off easy. It was never easy, but it's something that I picked up and I felt comfortable with, and and so I leaned into it, and then I developed a sense of I, I mean I'll arrogance on the piccolo trumpet, and then you realize that you know you realize it, and be like wow you know where did that come from? I was working so hard at not being egotistical, but it it works its way in. So self reflection, I think, is important. I gotta, I gotta say that reflection thing uh, rings home real hard because that is something I 100% agree with you, Ben. the The reflection thing, something that I've done in the past is pick three things that you did well in helping other folks, whether it was in an ensemble setting or in a social setting. That's something I've done, and then one thing to critique, and one thing to change, and that self reflection of like, man. I let my ego run away today. I definitely didn't keep that in check or in balance. Something in a reflection uh, template that you could use is something I've done. It's been very, very useful. But I wanted to add, I would tend to want to tell people of my successes in the practice room <laughs> because I was excited. Okay. Not, it was never coming from a bad place necessarily, but sometimes if it happened consistently, it could seem that way from other people's perspective. So a saying that I 
would uh, often tell myself and wrote, wrote down in my locker and had it at, in my home once in a while, if I ever found that myself, my ego getting out of the check was always be interested, not interesting. And I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Instead of trying to be interesting, be interested. And I hope that's clear for a lot of folks. It, it really comes down to is like, well, do you want to learn something about this person in front of you? It really comes down to just, you know, take a break. Listen, you'll probably learn something. Maybe stop talking. I should probably stop talking, but (laughs) maybe take on what other people have to say and, and maybe you might learn something, you know? I want to kind of piggyback on both Ben and Chris. Ben, I love the reflection idea. Uh, That's actually one of the ideas I wrote down and just to add something, and it's, Chris kind of added something very similar to this. I think making a note every time you realize that you went out of check with your ego and then taking the time to reflect later, maybe even a few days later or a week later when the emotional impact or the embarrassment goes away and work through the situation in a way that you would have, you wish you would have done. You know, if if someone says something and then you throw that little underhand (laughs) passive aggressive comment uh, that shows what you were practicing, maybe you write out what you wish you would have said. And that goes into the second one, which was be interested in others, which Chris also mentioned. If you are interested in, if you focus more on the other people, because everyone can do something better than you. And if you just take the time to ask them, you know, one of the things I like, I try to do when I can successfully manage my ego is notice something that another player next to me did really well or does really well in general. And then I want to tell them that and maybe see what it is they're working on. Uh, and it might even just be, oh, I can't do that and they really can do that. Let's see what that, like, how are they doing that? And and just be be mindful. If you truly are, be truly invested in this. Do it at a pure, genuine interest because that genuineness, it pays off. And it's also a good habit to get into. It's a great habit to get into. When you take pride in something to the point where you aren't, you consider yourself more of an expert than the people around you, then you're not going to listen to what they have to say, or you may say things that are detrimental to them. So it's, it's that concept that you said, you know, you have to be willing to learn and you have to be willing to learn from everyone. You know, I think the other side of that is there will be times where you may be the expert in the room. Let's say you're working with a bunch of younger players. Then you should also feel that if if they ask you for questions you should feel open and free to help them but by but not in a way that I'm well I'll show you or I'm going to be um I now I am the expert in the room I'm going to put myself on this pedestal but if you can show genuine interest in them and helping them you can then have this outlet to sh- to transfer some of your knowledge 
to them in a helpful way and not in an ego-driven way. That's just the other side of that coin. And just to add, I think another big driver of ego can be peer pressure. Because we've all been in situations, I mean, I know we have because we've done it in this group, (laughs) where we get together and maybe we start indulging in ego-driven, in putting down other players as a group. And whether we all want to or not, if one person does, because we're all friends, it can tend to snowball into this, oh yeah, well, these people... These players don't know what blah, blah, blah. And they, I don't like playing with them, blah, 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 right? So peer pressure can be a huge driver in that. And I think that if someone notices that happening with their friend group, and we've actually done this as a group, we have gone through this at one point multiple times, is be honest with your friends that, hey, you, you can just simply bring up the issue of ego, which we, again, we've done multiple times as a group outside of the podcast where we can bring up ego and talk through it. And you don't have to attack and say, Hey, we talk bad about other people. I don't want to do that. And you guys are doing this and I don't like it. Rather. You can say, let's talk about ego and how can we avoid, how can I avoid having an ego? And it gets all of you. It gets all of your friends talking about it and they might realize, Oh, I did that too. (laughs) And then it's just a move in the positive direction. So I think, um, again, with with ego, peer pressure is going to be a big driver. And if you don't want to do, if you don't want to be a part of that, there's ways to get out of that as a group. Well, I remember one time, Derek. This actually involved you and me. Um, I think Chris was also in the section. I think we were doing maybe it was a concert where we did Sibelius Four or something like that. I. I had felt like I had been run ragged preparing for my lessons and preparing for some of the jazz performances we had coming up. And we were minutes from going on the stage for the orchestra concert. And I was running this section I had over and over and over again, trying to perfect it. And you came up and said, you know, man, it's like 15 minutes where you have to play. Why are you wasting your time doing that? And you were perfectly right. I was being the obnoxious jerk backstage where everyone is trying to relax and chill out for the concert, practicing. To my credit, I actually worked it out and then nailed it on the concert. But my ego got in the way. Let's all clap for David. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, David. (laughs) But my ego got in the way and I snapped at Derek for coming up to me and saying that to me. I got I got really mad and you just like blew up. Poor Derek. Yeah, like blew up at him. And Derek was like, geez, okay, and like walked away and but there was this vibe. Like bet- like there was this, you know, vibe between us and you could feel it across the section when we played the concert. And again, luckily I pulled it off. But no, that wasn't a good situation. I should have been more prepared before I went into that. So there was me being defensive and letting my ego get in the way because I was nervous and underprepared. And luckily for David, I reflected on that later. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. I got one. So this was talking, kind of going off of what you were talking about, Derek, with the group thing, was in big bands. And Derek, yep, you got all three of us. Ben, I don't think you were in that one, but um, we were playing big band for this semester. And at the end of every semester, 
we do this recording session and we work up some compositions done in the group and other arrangements from other, you know. So I remember us being very diligent, very proud of ourselves of doing weekly sectionals and everybody coming together and just really doing their best to put in the time. So we felt very proud about it. Come towards the end of the semester and leading up towards throughout the semester, we felt, again, we felt very proud of our work and hard work that we put in. And, you know, with that, the ego eagle <laughs> soaring above our head was just saying like, hey, that section over there is really sharp. You should probably, should probably tell them. And, or that, that person over there, they're out of time, you know, and this kind of built on us. And it's something that we kind of let ego win that semester. And here's my point here. It built and it built. And it was something that at the time we were blind to. And I'm sharing a very personal story here. Towards the end of the semester, we have this rehearsal. And I remember that we were all kind of, in a way, pointing fingers. The band was pointing fingers at you know, it, it wasn't sounding good. It's your fault, <laughs> you know? And, it, you know, it was such a weird thing because, you know, in a band, we, we need to be a band. We need to be a community. We need to be a, a unstoppable force together that we're creating this beautiful thing that nobody gets to do. A lot of people don't get to do it on this caliber even. And, and I might, well, I will note that my fondest memories have been in this band, but this one in particular was a hard lesson that we all came to a realization. And it came when Dana, our director pointed out, he's all guys, I can sense some tension in the band. I'll, I'll note this too. Dana's one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. Hardest working, positive people I've ever met in my life. And he says, I, I sense some tension in the band and I wanted to just tell you guys the best thing that you can do for your, for the people around you contribute to the band is make sure that your part is as best as you can possibly make it. And you focus on that because if you start pointing fingers, it's never going to happen. And that rang with me so hard. Because here all my, I was spending all my energy thinking about well, he can play his part better. She can play it that much better. Instead of reflecting, all right, back on myself. And how can I make everybody else better? By first taking care of your business. Take care of your business. And then life is so much easier. And then we started doing that. And things got better. <laughs> Go figure. But I want that was that was a story that rang true with me. I and I know you guys feel the same way. Absolutely. That I mean, that was a very difficult time, and there was a lot of finger pointing, and that I agree. Dana's speech and or comment there made a huge difference for the rest of the year, and for and for personal relationships within the band. And I think that the point, which I think you illuminated very well, is you can't, how can you focus on your part? How can you focus on your business if you're only worried about other people's, right? You, you can't, your work 
your practice, your part, your ego can't be a priority if you're worried about other people's first. And you're absolutely correct. Dana was absolutely correct. If you focus on making your part the absolute best, then that's going to contribute to the band overall. Yeah. And thank you, Chris, for sharing that. That is, you know, it's a personal experience, but I think it's something that I believe we could probably all, and you three obviously did share together, but we could all relate to. And the awesome thing about that experience is it really outlines how first detrimental ego can be to a unit. And then second, when you all recognize that as a unit, what you can accomplish when you lay that aside. I mean, you always hear about these championship teams and what is it that they all talk about first? It's everyone do their job. Focus on your job. And then there's chemistry that comes through that because you're not focusing on what someone else is doing wrong. And then you can start to rely on each other. You can start blending with each other. It, but it all starts with taking care of your own job first. So that's it's such a good experience, I think, to go through. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer here. I remember that experience. And I remember that, I remember that speech Dana gave us. And it definitely helped. But I would like to say the damage was kind of already done. And I remember we had that recording session at the end of the year, and it was miserable. And I remember we finished that, and that was the last thing we had to do. And I was so happy I didn't have to play in that band again. And, I mean, that's 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 really how I felt leaving. And they actually, that, that's how it was. You know, I've since, after a year or two went by, I have played in that band since then. But that was a good learning lesson. And you know what? I was part of the problem. I was part of the problem. I was part of the problem in that recording session. I, it's still something I deal with to this, this day. My ego gets in the way. Everything has to be perfect when you're in the recording studio. Guess what? Stuff happens. You can't control everything. We're, we're humans. We're imperfect beings. Mistakes happen. And that was a big life lesson for me. So that's, you know, that was me dealing with my ego. But it can be, it can be damaging long term. You know, letting letting your ego run uh, drive the bus can be damaging long term. And it, luckily, it didn't end our friendships. But you know, there was there were some rough times. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, you know, you can't undo or unsay anything, and that's something to think about. And the more you reflect on your poor choices or your the times that ego took control of you, the better you'll get at controlling those things. But it's not going to be, it's not going to be a perfect journey. You are going to say things you wish you didn't say, and you're going to act in a way that you wish you wouldn't have acted. And that brings up a transition into maybe some practical tools on how to deal with this. What are some ways that, that you can spread this attitude that we can spread that let's say we're in a band again, where there's a lot of negativity. How can we take ownership of that the way Dana took ownership of it how can we do that as a member of the band and spread that feeling of that we're all in this together let's get rid of ego let's focus on the right things let's get our priorities straight how can what can we do what can people listening do I got I got one that 
is a little bit different than maybe you fellas might be thinking, but go have lunch together. Go go climb a mountain and not do anything music. Get to know the person. Uh, I know it's not practicing, but it's relationship building. You know, and that resonates with people. It resonates with me is if somebody if somebody from the band is like, hey, let's go play some frisbee golf, you know, and you bond with that person outside of the music. Maybe I might care more because the caring factor is it's amazing how <laughs> how people can can change real quick if they care more. You know, they want to be there. They feel wanted. And uh, that community building outside of the rehearsal can can be a beautiful thing that's that's one way that that could could happen i think the ability to learn how to be diplomatic have a discussion with someone that's not combative and i i think that you you actually don't really see that happening very often i mean my god you turn on the tv and people are just screaming at each other you know, if if you if you need if you want to talk to someone about maybe you, you don't think that they're pulling their weight on something, you don't you don't need to start off by being combative. You know, you can say you'll pick one thing. Yes, but it's also it's a good lesson for teachers. And the four of us are all teachers. When we're working with young students, obviously most of the stuff they're doing isn't great, right? So. When you want them to improve, you don't just sit there and tear them apart and be like, you can't do this right. You're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. Like that doesn't make any sense. You're just going to destroy this person. You pick one little thing and you have them improve little bit by little bit. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the same concept. Also, you know, just having like standards. Maybe maybe this person isn't on the level you're that you're at because maybe they're younger. Maybe they haven't had as much time on the horn. Maybe this isn't even their major if it's a college situation. So there are there are other factors to consider. Yeah, I think that the dynamic changes depending on the position that you're in. If you're the lead player in the group, sure, there's more that you can do to affect the change in the group. But say you're a section player, right? There's only so much that you can actually say that may change how everyone else around you is is acting so really what it goes back to to chris what you said dana told everyone like what can you control well there's again you can control what you do you can control the effort that you put in so take care of your own stuff and then you can control how you react to what people say to you just to add on that what can you do what can you control well you can record the rehearsal I remember Derek recorded every rehearsal that we were part of and he would listen to it religiously and he would be dissecting that thing. He's like, man, I was not, I did not take care of that section. I'm out of time here. And I remember him piecing it apart and I would listen sometimes with him and be like, yeah, I respect that because he's taking care of his business and he's doing it not necessarily for himself, but for the betterment of the group. That's that recording thing is a is a, a nice tool to use, I'd say. I was counting missed notes in this section, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping a running tally is all. 
I just I submitted it at the end of the semester to the director. <laughs> Something that helped me is the idea of making the best decision for the music itself. You know, you what you, whatever as a musician, your job is to serve the music. Now that you know, if you're doing that, then then you know the music's going to be great. And more than likely, if it's something that's supposed to be entertaining, it probably will be entertaining. If you're playing a piece of music that's supposed to move someone and make them feel sad, if you're doing what benefits the music, you know, they're going to feel that. If I were to boil down all the things you guys said, as far as practical suggestions, it would be just try. Just put in the effort to be better about it. And if you can do that, people will see that. And you're not always going to do, it's not always going to work out. You're, there's going to be times again, where you're going to have to spend some time reflecting on how you acted. But if you're trying and you treat that as learning experience and you're trying to put the music first and you're trying to help the people around you and you're trying to be interested in the people around you, uh, and you have respect for the music and you take care of your business, then things are going to work out. People will notice that. And that, that alone can spread that, that attitude. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to us on any of our social media platforms, or you can email us at ourtrumpetlife at gmail.com. Thanks again, and see you next week. <laughs>